Welcome to Consumer Pod Index. I'm your host, Andy Grabia. On October 17, 2018, Canada became only the second country in the world and the first G7 and G20 nation to legalize the recreational use of marijuana. Six months later, on April 18, 2019, as part of the Alberta School of Business's Eric Geddes Lecture Series, industry leaders discussed the effects of government regulation on the industry, finding a career in cannabis, the next wave of cannabis products, and Canada as a global cannabis leader. We hope you enjoy this live podcast. Well, it's, it's really my honor to introduce our panelists today. I'll just be uh, asking some questions and then getting out of the way. Um, but, uh, but Katrina, Jesse, and Audrey are um, uh, pioneers in a, uh, in a new industry. Uh, they're all uh, taking some uh, personal and professional risks uh, to be where they are today. Uh, some of them, I believe, uh, uh, entered the industry before there even was an industry, or if it was even clear that there was going to be a legal industry. Um, and so, uh, um, so uh, we have uh, Katrina Ingram, she's the Chief, Oper- Chief Operating Officer at Cannabis at Work. Um, then Jesse Cheatham is VP of Human Resources at Fire and Flower. And Audrey Cronwit, uh, who is the Director, Direct District Manager, Canopy Growth, and Lead for the Development of Tokyo Smoke Retail Banner in Alberta and Saskatchewan. So um, today, I just wanted to start off, um, you know, at, at the beginning. So we're, here we are, six months in uh, to this new industry that didn't exist uh, prior to that, and um, I think a lot of us had expectations about what was going to happen, where where the hiccups were going to be, and so on. So I was just I, I wanted to start off today by asking you that what were some of the biggest surprises of the last six months, um, things that you maybe didn't expect. Um, and in particular, since, since um, uh, you know, I represent the School of Retailing, if, if they have kind of a retail hook, that would be great. Anything to do with real estate or HR or anything to do with the, the operations of the retail cannabis space. Um, I don't know. Anybody can start. Um, sure, I'll go first. Sure. <laughs> Always easier to go first. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of things that are unique about the industry. Some of the bigger surprises, I think, from a retail lens, are the fact that a lot of your, we'll call it your toolkit as a retailer, doesn't apply. And so I think that was one of the most interesting things. So what I mean by that is like how you market, how you drive people to your door, how you curate a, a, a customer experience with the product. A lot of that you don't actually have an option to, to alter or to influence at this stage in, in, in where we're at with the cannabis retail. So I think that was one of the big ones. Um, I don't want to steal them all because we all need to share. So um, Well, Alberta took the cake for being Canada's leader in cannabis. So British Columbians <laughs> um, who thought that they were that leader. I think it's an exciting time in Alberta. And I think um, in Canada, one of the biggest surprises would be operating in retail in a highly regulated environment. So similar to the tools, but all of those things that typically drive traffic and engage our employees and um, really tell the story of our brands um, are more regulated than any other retail industry. So that has been a surprising challenge and I think a lot of us are here because we love that entrepreneurialism and starting something from nothing and we're operating now in a place where we can be entrepreneurial, kind of. (laughs) We can be entrepreneurial and creative and differentiate ourselves, but we are working in tandem with that regulation as well as um, a lot of things that are out of our control. So I I feel like that was a big surprising piece. Yeah, I'm going to pick up on that regulation piece, but first, just a personal surprise, 
I'm working in cannabis. <laughs> I never thought I would say that. And in fact, um, it was a year ago, almost to this day, that I first started looking into this industry um, as a career choice. And lo and behold, here I am. Um, I've only been here since August, but uh, I feel like uh, I feel like a bit of a veteran, having been around for the pre-legalization and now six months into the retail sector. Um, and as Audrey is saying, the, re the regulatory side of things is very challenging. Um, so cannabis at work, we're, we're actually not a retailer. Um, we assist uh, retailers and LPs with recruitment. We also do HR consulting, and so and we do training. And so one of the things we had on the go last year was some training at the retail level. We were rolling that out until it, everything ground to a halt in Alberta at the end of November when the AGLC said, we're actually uh, dealing with a bunch of shortages and we're not gonna be issuing any more licenses right now. And so that really put a kibosh on all our plans to train people to become bud tenders. So that's just one example of how quickly things can turn in this industry. So, um, so I asked specifically about surprises, though. So, anybody have a, a good a good story about a, a particular surprising day or uh, in, in your in your uh, career in the last six months? Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot. Um, well, I think it was surprising on the day where the AGLC announced that they would not be issuing any more licenses in the province of Alberta. Um, I, I learn a lot of things first thing in the morning from my Google alerts. <laughs> so that's always surprising. I think a big part of what keeps this industry so interesting is that communication and changes happen so rapidly that often before we get the chance to even communicate something internally, it's on the news or it's on our Google alerts. So when I woke up that morning, I was actually on the beach in Mexico. <laughs> and I got that notification and I was like, all right, okay, this is, this is okay though because the beauty of it is we're six months in and we have a lifetime and an eternity to grow from here and create, so yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the the sheer uh, lack of number of open retail stores is probably the biggest surprise. You know, I think we're all in a space where we expected six months in we would see a lot more stores, and uh, I think that would probably be the largest surprise. But this is the type of industry where uh, every day, to your point, you wake up and you know usually you have your list of things to do and you have your priorities in the day. By you know eight oh five, you're on your first sip of coffee, you throw that out and you have to start all over. So there's a lot of surprises. Absolutely, every day is a surprise. Um, I'm from BC originally, and so what was surprising to me is uh, how far behind BC is in the retail um, environment when it comes to cannabis. So you think that BC would be a leader, having been, you know BC Bud, and there it's been growing for a while before legalization. <laughs> um, you think BC would be a leader in the retail space, and they're not. Um, in fact, on uh, on October 17th, I believe they'd only opened two stores. Um, and we had 17 stores, I believe, open on that day. So that was a little surprising to see that. Mm -hmm. So we're doing this a little bit out of order, but uh, maybe each of you could tell me a little bit about your, your journey and uh, how, how you got to where you are today, maybe what you're doing, how you decided to enter this space, and what it is that you do right now at, uh, at your organizations. Yeah, okay, so I, um, I spent the last year prior to this at Sage Natural Wellness, and 
Before that, I was home with my two kids for a few years, Avery and Jack, eight and six. Um, and prior to that, I spent over a decade at Lululemon. So I always say I grew up there. I started part-time while I was in university in Calgary um, when there was only 12 stores in the entire company at that point. And my parents were like, so what about the job in the oil and gas industry? I was like, well, this yoga company has got a lot of promise. <laughs> Trust me, they're going public. <laughs> and my dad did his thing where he was like, okay, kid, okay. So um, yeah, I grew up there, was able to be a part of their going public, their IPO, opening stores all over Canada and the United States, and just be in that high growth retail environment in which you're changing, constantly changing, inventing things, creating things. You don't have solutions for things, so you make solutions. Um, so that's that's me, and currently now, um, I took the jump to cannabis from Sage um, in June, and I'm responsible for the building of the Tokyo Smoke brand in Alberta and Saskatchewan, so um, district manager in ensuring that we are opening stores, hiring teams, and then getting those to thrive. Yeah. I'll go next. Um, so I spent uh, a good chunk of my career in radio. So I was at CKUA Radio for 10 years. And in 2017, I decided I really needed a change from media. I loved the place, but I wanted to do something different. But I didn't really know what that was going to be. And so I, I loved the organization. I was kind of searching for my next thing. Um, I did some consulting work at Tech Edmonton. Some of my Tech Edmonton colleagues are here today. And it was during that time, I thought I was going to go back into technology. So before radio, I was in the software industry, and I thought that's where I'm going to go back into. Um, and uh, while I was at Tech Edmonton, one of my colleagues there said, you know, you really should check out this cannabis thing. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in this sector. And so last, uh, last April, right around this time, I went to the Cannabis uh, and Hemp Expo at the Edmonton Expo Center, and I was just blown away by what was going on in the cannabis sector. And I was also blown away because this um, trade show really challenged a lot of misconceptions I had about who was involved in the cannabis sector. I thought, oh, it'll be like a bunch of stoners, I have a baggage I was carrying. I, I found all these professional people, lawyers and accountants and business people. I thought, well, you know, there's something more to the sector here that I'm really attracted to. And so I started putting the word out there, you know, I'm looking for a job in the cannabis sector. And I got connected to uh, Allison McMahon, who's the CEO of Cannabis at Work. And we hit it off, and, uh, and this is where I've landed. I've been there since August. And you know, I've really, I thought I wanted to go back to tech, but what I found in the cannabis sector is a lot of that early energy that I had from, from being in the tech sector in the late 90s, um, early 2000s. Um, there's just this real spirit about what we're accomplishing as a sector, and I really love that. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Uh, for me, I, I've lived a life of retail, so you know, the, the part-timer growing up as a teenager stocking shelves, uh, working through university as we talked about yesterday, uh, got into HR through uh, post-secondary, and uh, I guess I have that sickness. I, I love retail, so uh, it's always been part of what I've done. I've uh, been always part of kind of uh, new initiatives, whether it's new into the country. I worked with Skechers in the U.S. and Canada. We only had six stores, and similar to to the it kind of blew up, and that was a lesson in, in kind of uh, figuring things out as you go, building the plane as you fly it, a lot of those things. 
And uh, I think for the segue into this industry, for me from an HR professional uh, approach, the entry was around building a culture and an ethos where you could do it differently and with different rules. And that's one thing that I think when, when it comes to Fire and Flower that we've done extremely well. If you go to our shops, uh, the culture is very unique. And it's all about unique people coming into a unique space. You don't have to hire a certain type of person because cannabis is very much something for everyone. Um, so it's, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, never thought I'd be in cannabis, to be honest. You know, whether it was two years ago or 10 years ago, never thought this was a reality, but absolutely pleased that this is what we're doing. And uh, to your point, the sense of pride and the, the amount of galvanizing in the industry and within the company around what you're doing to set something right in the world is, is really remarkable. Yeah, and taking um, <clears throat> the knowledge of creating an experience and applying that to cannabis is fascinating. And I think it is all about breaking, not just breaking down that stigma, but bringing cannabis to everyone and creating a place where there is something for everyone in the market to experience, experience this. And to be able to create that from nothing is very exciting. Can you imagine going back to a real job? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking about uh, something for everybody, they just released some statistics from California. Um, apparently, since legalization there, um, uh, what is it? Vape cartridges and edibles are now outselling the, the flowers. Uh, this is this is an area that's not yet legal in uh, in Canada, but will soon be. Uh, so I'm wondering uh, what the panel's take is on how how uh, the addition of these uh, uh, these other items uh, to the to the retail space is going to change uh, the retail space, the customer base, uh, how you sell, and how you uh, work in this business. I'll I'll jump in from a consumer standpoint, um, and I'll let the retail experts reply from that standpoint. But as a consumer, I mean, I think over the years we've gotten the message that smoking is bad. And it doesn't matter whether it's tobacco or cannabis. There's so many people out there that just don't want to smoke. And so I think that's part of the appeal of some of these new products. And so I've heard stories from people where it's like, I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen with the edibles and the vapes and so forth, because I really want to try cannabis. I'm so curious. I'm just not a smoker. And so I really think it's going to open up this other type of consumer demand. I'll, I'll go next. I'll let yeah. you, you have the most experience in the, in the direct-to-customer part, but I, I think it's really going to revolutionize the industry. I think this is what a lot of people are waiting for. I think what we're at what I'll call like the homesteading space. You know, here's the thing, the natural resource, you've got to do all this work to create this end product if you want an edible or, or something that's easy to adjust where we're going to get to that space where it's easy to consume, it's practical, and that's really what I think is going to change uh, the industry. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're very similar in terms of the sales and the percentages. Yeah, I think I agree. I think we're going to see uh, interactions with a different type of guest pickup. I think right now you still see a lot of the heritage consumer um, purchasing the the existing methods of consumption. And um, I think this just gives us access to increase our education. And I also think it keeps us on our toes thinking about the future of the experience in our stores and our brands from how we build the stores, how people interact within them. And knowing that what was relevant six months ago in presenting our product is gonna be changing every, every time we turn the calendar. Um, and this is only the beginning, you know, um, Canopy just partnered 
a few months ago with uh, Martha Stewart to create a pet care line. So we're going to see cannabis in. Um, we partnered with Seth Rogen's um, brand Houseplant, which is a beverage um, line. And we're going to have to make room and house these products and also engage our consumers in a different way every turn of, of the corner. And it's exciting because this is only the beginning. We're going to see, uh, in addition to that, topicals home care, health care, like, uh, not health care, but like ways to allow your, like bath bombs, CBD bath bombs, and, and this is going to change the way we have access to different customer groups. So that's only the beginning. CBD for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> with, in partnership with Martha Stewart. With Martha. I'm like, and then I, I believe that home cultivation is going to be actually the next wave of um, education and conversation and who knows, maybe Martha will lead workshops on growing at home. <laughs> she does have a green thumb. <laughs> so yeah, it's exciting. So um, this is an area that has had some, uh, some unique uh, human resources challenges uh, from the early days when <clears throat> you know, they were telling people that if you worked in the sector, you weren't going to be able to go to the United States. Uh, and even before that, you know, trying, to, trying to get people to come into a, an industry that it was uncertain if it was even going to exist. Um, so I'm wondering if any of you could, uh, could speak to the unique uh, human resources challenges uh, in this uh, uh, pioneering retail space. Yeah, I feel like you're pointing me here. Well, <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, I'm just excited that I can go to Disney World with right. my kids without no worries. Uh, you can wear your branded stuff. Mom got hold held aside. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's a great question to ask. And early on, especially before legalization, it was it was really interesting when you're recruiting and talking to candidates about that. The first question would come up, well, you know, I want to travel to the US. Is this going to be an issue? And having that uncertainty is always a challenge when you're trying to hire somebody because obviously that's something that's important to people. They want to travel, they want to do these things. I'm glad that's cleared up and it hasn't been an issue, so that, that's one great thing about it. But I think there's always an appetite. You have to find people that have a couple skills that I'll say they have to be agile. There has to, there has to be a fair amount of agility and ability to be nimble uh, to be successful in this group, so that's been very unique. Um, also, the ability to think on their feet, because whether you're in a shop or um, you're, you know, you're in an office with a cannabis company, the things that come at you day to day are things you never imagined you'd ever have to answer. So I think there's some really interesting transferable skills that are different. Um, yeah, I think those are the key ones though. The, the border crossing, glad we could get through that. And then uh, the, the transferable skill differences, I think. Yeah, I think the border is, it's still a, um, it still can be a challenge if you're going to the States to work. Um, if you're going for personal reasons, it shouldn't be an issue, but if you're going down there to work, it might still be a challenge. And just as a, for example, um, we've been asked to be a speaker at a conference in New Orleans in September, and um, our, our history is in workplace impairment. So ironically, we're going down there to talk about workplace impairment, not necessarily um, uh, retail cannabis or recreational cannabis. Um, but still, because we're going there to talk about it, the impairment from a canvas perspective, we are being a little bit careful in just how we're approaching that opportunity. So I still think it can be a bit of a concern, and I think people do need to be careful, just because at a federal level, things haven't been sorted out at the, in the U.S. So you have all of these individual states, um, some of um, which have legalized cannabis in other cases, they're discussing legalization. There's no overall overarching federal mandate for legalization yet. I think it's gonna happen at some point. Um, so I, there's that. 
Um, in terms of skill sets, um, similar to what Jesse was saying, I think just being resourceful and having that ability to uh, think on your feet quickly, that's something we screen a lot for is culture fit. Uh, for the cannabis industry. Um, being comfortable with uncertainty, because there's a lot of uncertainty in this industry. You just never know what's around the corner, what new regulations are going to come out. So we look for that when we're talking to people who want to work in this industry. Yeah, and I think I have faith in the fact that the right candidates who really want to get on board with something ever-changing are already doing really incredible things in their lives, and that waiting isn't a deterrent for them. It's actually just to continue that relationship with them and um, know that they are a risk taker. And it, it's a bit of a risk to you know, shift from what you're doing and jump on board, and, but a risk in the sense of it's so exciting and like you said, we have to think on our feet and be agile. So I kind of just trust also that the right people will continue to be attracted um, to this industry. So um, <clears throat> obviously this is a, a highly regulated industry. Um, I know you can't probably tell the, the best stories, but uh, any, <laughs> any uh, tales of uh, regulatory uh, um, uh, malaise or, uh, or you, know, you mentioned waking up and seeing something on your phone, uh, stories about uh, you know, the changing nature of regulation and how that's been a, um, uh, an, an issue uh, in those first six months? Well, I think one great example is actually what happened in Ontario. You know, I think if you look at what happened in Ontario as a case study, that was a perfect example of something that, you know, everybody and their cat was out getting a license for a place in, in Ontario. Because as soon as the new government came in, they said, you know what, we're going private, everybody ran. This is the gold rush, let's go get locations. And then last minute, they did a lottery. So that's just one example of how you have a business plan set up and how this differs from regular business. You have everything going, you've got your plan, and then within a minute, two minutes, as soon as those those changes happen, you have to completely flip and pivot. I mean, that's our favorite word, I think, in this yeah. industry is pivot. Yeah, absolutely. Just to take off on the Ontario example, so before uh, the Ford government came into power, Ontario was going to go government. So they had all these plans for government stores. We did the recruitment on, on that job, and so we found all these great people, store managers, and people to work in stores, and all of a sudden, the government changed. Um, something we probably know a little bit about here in Alberta. Um, and overnight, there was a shift that happened and all these people didn't have jobs anymore. It was awful. We had to tell these people that we recruited uh, roles for that they, they didn't have a job anymore and we didn't know what was going to happen. And now that's still you know, being sorted out. But, but that's another example of just how quickly things can change and shift and morph. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have similar experiences and you know, Sometimes it's like, okay, you know that project you're working on or that thing you're doing? Yeah, stop doing that. Just don't do that anymore. I know you've put hours and hours into it, but we're shifting gears here. So, um, and I, I just think that it, it's gonna continue to be that way and it's about building a, a culture that thrives within that. So, and a team that thrives within that because you'll see that really quickly. So um, any particular things that uh, you look for when hiring employees into the sector that might be different than other areas of retail? Mm. No, I was just reflecting. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say definitely. You know, you're looking for skill sets, like I said, the agility, uh, the, the comfort and discomfort and uncertainty, those are crucial. Also being able to just 
be okay with saying no or I don't know. I think being able to say that and the confidence to say that is really important uh, because we're really guiding people in a new space. So if you have somebody in your shop that's uncomfortable saying, I don't know, and they're trying to give people an answer to their question, they might guide them in the wrong direction. So I think that's really pivotal because we're not, at least from the retail perspective, pure play retail, we're not here trying to tell people, take this for your medical condition. So that's really important. You have to have the people that have the wherewithal to be able to, to say that they don't know, but they're gonna find out. Um, and I think that's, that's a real critical difference. Yeah, and I think always just clarifying what their why is. I think their why is a huge factor in finding the right person and knowing that this isn't an industry for the faint of heart. And yes, certain skills are directly transferable, but if you find those individuals whose why lights up a room and whose passion drives what they do every day, that's gonna translate directly into the brand and the experience um, and, and the work we do as a team. So. We're doing a recruitment job for a, a retail uh, retailer out of BC that's just uh, launching their business. And it's been really interesting. They're, they've been really uh, demanding clients. It's been interesting working with them because they have a very strong sense of the kind of brand that they want to create. And so we have a lot of criteria to meet just in terms of brand fit. They want people with cannabis experience, which really means that they came out of the gray market. And when the dispensaries were all shut down in Vancouver, everybody scattered. So trying to find people, it's not like you have on your LinkedIn that you were working in a dispensary. So trying to people that find people that have that gray market experience um, is a real challenge. And then the other piece is they want people with solid retail experience. So they've come from iconic brands like Lululemon, for example. And so you're trying to find these three things in- Looking for a unicorn. We're, we're looking for <laughs> eight unicorns. So you know what you're saying. Um, but yeah, it's been really interesting just watching them. But they have a very clear sense of who they want to be. And I think that's really an important piece of the retail equation is carving out your, your brand as a retailer. Um, and certainly that's what this particular client is trying to do. But it, it makes for an interesting challenge trying to find people. Okay, so I'm getting the signal that it's time for questions. Are we good? Oh. I would just <laughs> add to that as well um, with the retail background thing. I'm learning really quickly it's not a cut and paste. So we have to find people who have that really strong retail background, but also understand that they that it isn't a cut and paste and that so many of those skills need to shift and learning how to op operate, like I said, in tandem in this regulated environment while still applying those really entrepreneurial retail skills that we typically see from some of those iconic brands. So, so um, there is this issue with uh, the, the gray market uh, or really black market still existing. Um, the news has done things, the, uh, things they just showed yesterday that uh, you know the black market is so much less per gram than, than what people can do in the stores. Um, is there anything you can do uh, at this point to, to deal with those problems, or is that just um, a logical outflow of, of uh, shortages in the official system, and is that going to work itself out? What's uh, without asking the dreaded question? What's your prediction for the future? I think as we see new product forms, that's going to shift a lot because the gray market can only be so innovative with the product forms. Mm -hmm. So I think going back to your uh, earlier question, that's going to be another major piece that will bring those, those people out to experience cannabis in a different form, in a different way. 
Yeah, I think the other thing is the consistency. Yeah. The the consistent application when you have a product and, and how that how that makes you feel is really where we can get leverage and, and really try to, you know, put the black market in its space. And as those new products come online, it's important that, you know, the consumption methods are there that mm -hmm. people are more comfortable with. But I think the real big one is just that, you know, you're coming in, you know, you're getting exactly this product, it's gonna have this effect. Or if you're getting from the black or the gray market, it can be completely different every time. I think that's a great point and I actually think that's a real opportunity for LPs in particular to tell that story a bit better. I mean back in the day it was just about getting weed in the baggie and you're kind of happy about that and you don't really have so many questions about what's in it. Um, now I think having you know, a product that is regulated, the benefits of that are the safety and the consistency and knowing what you're getting and I think to the extent that LPs can tell that branding story then that just helps to counter um, that effect of the black market. Yeah. I think the BBC had a story uh, last week about uh, in the UK the percentage of uh, of uh, illegal street marijuana that contained uh, cow manure or something like that. <laughs> so it's, it's really it's, yeah, it is, the black market is the black market. Yeah. Um, so so given that this is a completely new uh, new industry and you know you all uh, kind of chose to to, to enter it, what um uh, what what advice would you give to people that, that are thinking about uh, you know? Jumping, jumping on on board and getting involved. Um, I think I'll start out here. I think it actually goes back to what you said. It's about finding the culture fits. So, first of all, see if there's companies that you align with, because it really is important to find out if your why is aligned with that. You know, cannabis. Yes, it's it's a product that is is here to unite everybody. However, the industry itself is, as we've talked about, it's very stressful. There's a lot of ups and downs, stops and goes. So you have to analyze if that's something that fits within how you operate. For example, if you're someone that really likes structure or things to be just a certain way or have a regular routine, I see a lot of people shaking their heads, yeah. um, then this probably isn't the right space. However, you know, if you find those companies that you align with, you have a really strong alignment there, and it's something that you have that appetite for risk with, then it is something you should look into. Yeah, and I'd say if you're if you're in it for the the long game, then I think it's also an industry for you. Yeah, it's um, not that rich quick. Is no, it? it's not <laughs> like it, it's changing quickly. But yeah, it's and going back to the why, thinking about if you're really like, I just can't stress enough. And even I have days where I wake up and I I realize that this is actually just the beginning. We made history. We legalized cannabis in Canada, and that is the beginning of not only something in Canada, but globally. Like We are going to be global leaders in this space, so if that excites you and that long-term game um, really lights you up to have that perspective that there is nothing but opportunity here and it doesn't just live in Canadian soil, it goes beyond our borders in the future, like, I'm getting excited right now, so if you get excited too, then it's probably a good place for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would add um, challenging your own assumptions about everything um, and coming with an open mind and just being willing to shift. And again, the magic word of pivot. Um, what you think, you know, what worked last month might not be what works next month. Um, and then just to the point about everyone uh, looking at cannabis and thinking they're going to make their fortune or it's a get-rich-quick kind of a, a place, it's not. Uh, we do a salary survey uh, for the industry. We've been doing that since 2017. And yes, there are some really good paying jobs in this industry, but it's certainly not a get-rich-quick kind of a place. And you're going to work really, really hard for that money as well. So I would be prepared to work hard. 
So um, things are changing around the world. Um, I think Mexico is, is pretty close to legalization. The U.S. is talking about uh, finally descheduling it at least or whatever. Um, do, do you see a, a future in which um, some of these Canadian brands are actually going to grow to become to become world, you know, multinational brands? Is that is that pie in the sky? Yeah, I, I actually, you want to go first? Yeah, I think Canada has a great opportunity. Certainly, we have a regulatory advantage in that we've been given a head start, but we can't we can't squander that advantage. I think that's you know that that's what I think about when I think of uh, this advantage that we have. So, how are we going to ensure that we do this right? And I really believe the opportunity is with the value-added products that we've talked about. And so, we need to figure out how to rather than just uh, selling. You know, raw flour into the market. It needs to be about these value-added products, and how are we going to do that as a country? So I think that's where the opportunity is. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I think anything's possible, and I I believe that um, other countries will look to Canada for how we build this in the future when they are ready for this moment. Um, like I said, it's only the beginning, and and I know Canada is going to be in textbooks. Um, probably already are, because textbooks are all online now. <laughs> um, but I, I really think we have an opportunity here to um, not only be what people reference, but be a part of that growth when other countries around the world are, are ready. Yeah, I think, I think exactly, to build on that, I think the destigmatization, we get that right. So the cultural norms and stuff that we build around this, that's really our true gift to the world from Canada. I think we get that right here because of how we're built as a nation, and that's something that we can really help other countries do. Uh, the other is navigating the quagmire of the regulations. I think whether the regulations are different or not, we're getting so comfortable in, okay, this is how it was in Alberta in this municipality, which is completely different from this municipality. We can transfer that to any sort of regulation. And so, um just to finally wrap up, a lot of you, uh, before we open this up to the, uh, to the questions from the audience, um, so a lot of you got in, involved uh, kind of early and, and uh, uh, took some risks. Um, uh, any, uh, any, any regrets or thoughts on, on that? Or uh, not, not regrets, but uh, um, I don't know. Like what, what are you looking for? What, what, uh, what advantages did you gain by entering uh, early um, when you did for those of you who entered early? I don't feel like I really entered all that early. I mean, I, I so I joined Cannabis at Work in August, and I suppose that might feel a bit early, but um, I guess, you know, one of the things that I found really interesting is uh, within the first month, getting a lot of media calls and, and kind of being expected to step up and be an expert on something when you've just only been there a month. And so um, I thought that was kind of interesting and challenging. Um, I didn't really think about the risk side of it, which is interesting now that we're examining that. Mm -hmm. um, that really didn't cross my mind at the time. Maybe that was just me being naive, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I would say yes, it felt early to jump on board a year ago, and, and I, I also am like, ooh, one more year earlier would have been even better. <laughs> um, so I, again, you know, don't really, I, I don't know, that's, that's kind of, the way I see it, not a lot of risk. Yeah. Well, we're in a safer place with it now, for sure. With the what? <laughs> we're in a safer place yeah. with it now, for sure. Yes. Uh, I sure. think a lot of it is, is just that understanding of how far we've come in such a short time. Mm -hmm. 
Like a lot of companies, like Fire and Flower has literally been around for a year. And that is absolutely wild. And I'm sure, like yourself, it's hard, hard to encapsulate all that has happened within just a year. I think that's the number one takeaway. And um, I think that's, that's the excitement, like you said, that'll build for the future is that we've done so much in such a short time, it can only be, like, there is no limit to where this can go in the future. And, and I think that part alone is just, it's so exciting. And I know our team is so pumped up for it. And I know yeah. yours have yeah, it went from being like talking to potential um, team members and being like, so how do you feel about cannabis? To being like, I work in the cannabis industry. <laughs> so we are trailblazers and it's a part of every single person who joins our team being able to, you know, share what their journey is and, and like one year has felt like five. Um, so for many of us, I'm speaking for you guys, but... <laughs> We've talked about it. <laughs> so returning back to the uh, the alternative uh, products, edibles, et cetera, for, for a second. Um, so Canada made the conscious decision to not allow edibles on day one. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any thoughts on that decision? Uh, you know, what were the pros and the cons? I think so. I think actually, I think Canada did this right. I think if anything, we had to make sure that we had the regulations right so that we were putting out product that is consistent, going back to that. And, you know, I think the government, they've done their steps, they've done it in small increments, and because we want to get it right. So I, I support the way that they've done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I totally agree. I think it would have been uh, just a little too overwhelming to do everything all at once. So phasing it in makes sense. It seems like they've certainly had some problems in <clears throat> other jurisdictions where they just kind of had everything on day one and you have all these calls to 911 and emergency room things and things like that that we seem to largely avoid it here. So. Yeah, I think it's a big part of our responsibility, all of us in the industry, to educate. And the product offering we were given to start with really allows us to, to dive into that and educate um, the population and give them a place that is approachable and that they can gain a lot of information and then layer in um, other types of products and consumption in the future. 